All right, if you have your Bibles, turn back to Ephesians chapter 6, a greater vision of life, particularly the Christian life, amen? And it's a warfare, not a picnic, and that's what we preached on this morning. We'll continue this message on how to place the armor, on how to activate the armor. Ephesians chapter 6, I thought about after the security meeting to have um, metal detectors set up at every door. But uh, a lot of you got so much metal in you from these double hip replacements, it'll, it would set it off, Brother Steve. Good to see you, brother. And uh, we're glad he's back with us after a double hip replacement. Guaranteed 50,000 miles or his money back. Amen. And so uh, you can't hold a good man down. Just keep on going for God. Amen. And then Miss Rose is home recovering from double, double knee replacement. And then Miss Becky... Uh, and she's back home, and we really miss all these folks. Uh, and we got uh, Miss Linda with neck surgery, and I know I'm forgetting somebody, a lot of other surgeries, amen? And, you know, our church is getting um, closer to each other, amen, through these surgeries, amen? And thank God for them, uh, that everything can, they can do. It's amazing, it's amazing, amen? Um, they, they even do stomach replacements, amen? You know what that is, don't you? Put a big old rope around it so you can't eat as much. <laughs> it's called band surgery or something, amen? I just think we ought to with, I don't know about that one, amen? I think that's close to torture. But anyway, um, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Get in a very serious mood in just a minute. I wanted to lighten the mood just a moment. Um, as I said, I believe that the uh, 5.30 meeting is the most important meeting of our church. Uh, I really believe that, and uh, when we bear each other's burdens, and we can do it intimately, and we can do it uh, uh, compassionately, I cannot imagine being in Brother Johnny McNeese's place right now. I can't imagine. I don't. I don't even want to imagine it. But compassion is that we ought to pray for him, like it's happened to us, and like we want somebody to pray for us if it happened to us. And you're not exempt from anything happening from you. But um, uh, this morning, I thought about an article that Brother Josh McNeese wrote. He found Brandon Friday a week ago. And it, and it triggered my thinking as I was at the funeral home. And uh, he had to leave. He was succumbed by so much grief for his brother. Um, that we are in a warfare. That it is, the devil is trying his best to destroy our peace, our joy, our love, and our faithfulness, our courage. And uh, we, need to, we need to realize how the devil works. And this morning I went over each piece of the armor except one that I wanted to hold for tonight. And um, it's just not a, it's not a playground, it's a, it's a battleground. And we need to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand and withstand uh, in these last days, and we ought to—it's like wrestling, the Bible says. And um, you know, we have a responsibility to know our enemy. We have a—we have a responsibility to know our enemy. Um, ball teams pay millions and millions of dollars uh, to know their opponent. Some of me still signs and get fired. It's so sad today that Kobe Bryant. Uh, went down in a helicopter and died at 42 years of age. Great superstar. But what was so sad, they don't say much about it, his 13-year-old girl was with him going to a basketball tournament. And then another, and a whole bunch of other parents and their girls uh, died in that helicopter crash. And you know something, friend? The safest place you can be is in church on Sunday. Amen. In the will of God. Now, something might happen on the way home, but I'm just saying... Uh, we need to be in the will of God. And, until, and if you're in the will of God, you're immortal until God's finished with you. If you're out of the will of God, all kinds of stuff can happen. We need to use our equipment. We need to put on the whole armor of God. And I went over this this morning, but I want to just go real quick. Uh, we need to realize that our strength is where the devil hits us. Abraham had faith. Peter had courage. David had integrity. They all fell in that area. So don't you ever think that you're above the, the, the tactics of the devil. Uh, number one, division. 
And that's why we need to see in verse uh, 13, uh, verse 14, stand therefore uh, having your loins girt about with truth. And then the denouncer, he's an accuser. Verse 14, it says, in the breastplate of righteousness. He can accuse you all you want, you're still a child of God, say amen. And you're more than a conqueror. And then Satan's a destroyer. Uh, we ought to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. No peace with God and peace of God. And uh, then we see that the devil wants to put doubt in our life. Doubt in our life. Verse 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, where well, you shall be able to stand against all the fiery darts of the wicked. One of the greatest darts that he'll put on you is doubt. Now I guarantee you somebody's had the dart of atheism in here. You doubted there was even a God. And don't say you haven't. There's somebody in here that has. And I want to tell you something. The devil will try to get you to doubt that God even exists. But he, he does exist and he is God. And the devil wants to shoot that dart. And then there's discouragement. Discouragement. He throws that doubt and then Satan likes to discourage us. Look at verse 17. It says, and, and take the helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation covers past, present, and future salvation. The miracle that one day Jesus died in our place, that's the penalty of sin. That because of his death, we can, get, we, can, uh, we can have victory over the power of sin, that's present tense. And then one day, thank the Lord, we're going to have victory over the presence of sin, that's heaven. And folks, I want to tell you what keep, should keep you going in the battle. There's a finish line. It'll soon be over, say amen. We'll finish our course. We'll keep the faith. And folks, I want to tell you something. A lot of people forget there's a heaven. And they totally lose it. And then the last one is denial. It is another satanic tactic. I want you to stand in all the word of God as we read verse 17 and 18. It says, and take the helmet of salvation. Here's where we'll start tonight. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Satan wants you to deny him. And folks, he wants you to deny him with your very testimony. But thank God for the sword of the Spirit. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you that we realize that we can have a greater vision of our life, a deeper vision. If we could only see the invisible warfare, we'd fall on our knees right now. But God, thank you that you've given us equipment, but God, thank you that you've given us energy against the devil. You've given us power uh, to uh, have victory over principalities and rulers of darkness and against spiritual wickedness in high places. So, Lord, help us as we apply this message through prayer in our daily walk. And we'll praise you for the victory that was won at Calvary, but also the victory that will be won by consistent, faithful yielding to the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When Jesus was tempted, what did he say? It is written. I believe that this sword of the Spirit and it's amazing that the Bible is called the sword of the Spirit. I don't believe if it's, if, if, it's, if it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. And folks, I want to tell you something. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to defeat Satan. We need both of them. It's a divine couplet. Amen? And folks, I'm glad we have the inspired and errant Word of God. And I'm glad we don't have some funny translation that has no power at all and this man's uh, ploy to make more money but we have the word of God, the preserved, inerrant, inspired, God-breathed word. And we can quote it to the devil. At the funeral, I was amazed at what Brother Dean McNeese did. He was supposed to pray. And he decided he'd pray the word of God. And it was powerful. It was very powerful. He just prayed the word of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. That brought comfort and peace and courage to a lot of people that were so devastated at that funeral. It is written... And folks, Jesus Christ knew that it was quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
And when Satan came to him and tempted him with all the things of the world, he said, it is written, the sword of the Spirit, the infallible word of God. Folks, we ought to quote it. We ought to, we ought to uh, paralyze it, practicalize it. We ought, to, we ought to live it. And we, that's the greatest defense against the devil is a good offense. This is the only offensive weapon. And it's the word of God. We ought to be people of the book. Now, I'm going to say this, and it bothers me a lot sometimes, and I don't say everything that bothers me because not a lot bothers me, or I wouldn't be still here at this church. But I can't imagine you trying to worship God without the Word of God. I mean, folks, listen, you ain't, we ain't palm readers. We're Bible readers. You ought to follow along, take notes in the Word of God. You ought to take it home. You ought to pack. It ought to be at least a testimony to the young people that this is the book. Amen. I know you got your little smartphones, and I know you got this and that and other, but I want to tell you something. There's something good about this leather-backed, inspired Word of God that we can carry in our hands, study it at church, mark it, underline it, take notes, be people of the book, amen. I'm telling you, our church would be called Bible Baptist Church right now. There wasn't one up there on Crown Circle, uh, and that was a temple chapel, because I believe in the Bible, and I believe in the book. And I believe in Baptists, but I believe we're, Baptists are closer to the Bible where I'd be at, say amen. We're people of the book. Amen. amen. Leave your watch at home, but bring the book. Yes. <clears throat> Leave your kids at home, but bring the book. No, don't do that. Amen. <laughs> the Bible's important. Amen. Check me out when I preach. Amen. Follow along. Amen it. Circle it. Right. <clears throat> know it. Memorize it. Obey it, sword of the Spirit. See, the Spirit of God will make a deep impression in your life with the sword of the Spirit. It's the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit uses the Word. I've never heard that preached, never thought about it, but it's the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God. And thank God he didn't want us to miss it. He said, which is the Word of God? He defines what the what the what the uh, sword of the Spirit is. But listen, all that's fine and well. We got the word. We got the breastplate. We've got the shod, uh, the cleats on, stand firm. We got the breastplate of rights. We got the, we got the truth. We got the, we got the truth that we're in a battle. But folks, all that is nothing unless it's applied. Paul was looking at a soldier. He was probably bound to two of them but at least was in house arrest with many soldiers around. And as he observed all that from the helmet to the feet to the sword, he wanted to make a spiritual application. I'm glad he did. But he didn't know in the heart of that soldier whether he was brave or courageous or a victorious soldier. You can't tell by the equipment. There's the energy, the energy. God Help us to depend upon God's power. Look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We're in this war together. And let me just say this, self-sufficient one. We need to pray together. We need to really realize that some people need you to come alongside them and bear their burdens. I'm telling you, friend, I appreciate the teachers that I had as a junior boy when they prayed for me. They came by my house and prayed for me. They took me places like a social and prayed with me, and they were prayer warriors for my daddy and for my family. Because they knew, they treated me like a bus kid. They treated me like a kid in a broken home, which I probably could have been. But I'll tell you what, I had so much respect for them. I, I tell you what, leadership should not just be leaders in penmanship or in oratorical ability. You ought to come alongside somebody and get under the burden. I mean, when they know you're burdened for them enough to listen to their prayer requests, it's not some mundane prayer list going through the motions. Let's get it done before the teacher comes. But it's a burden. Those little kids need to know that you're 
burden for their parents. You're burdened for the situation they live in. That we carry that burden, but we come alongside and undergird them. And folks, that's what good soldiers do for each other. Folks, listen, if a soldier doesn't have another soldier's back, you're in trouble. You're going to die in the battle. But thank God soldiers are together. And folks, we ought to be that kind of church, and I thank God that we are. And that's why at 5.30, the most important meeting in this church takes place. And I hate to interrupt choir practice. And I hate to interrupt all your working and all your hustle and bustle around here with all the things that need to be done. But I'm going to tell you something. Our work and our singing and our preaching and our teaching without God's power and without a team effort of praying for one another is all in vain. I'll just be honest with you. We are in the same battle. And folks, I told the folks in the prayer room that I didn't want to just put it on a little whiteboard as Andrew wrote it down. I want us to make ourselves vulnerable enough to say, I'm hurting and I can't handle it. This person is hurting and they're not handling it. My marriage is hurting. My children are hurting. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's an intimate time of fellowship when we bear each other's problems. We bear each other's burden. Isn't that a church? Isn't that a church? That we bear each other's burdens? that we care enough to care, that we care enough to listen, that we care enough to pray. And folks, that is the army of the Lord. We need to pray. How should we pray? Well, prayer, what's it mean? It means that we receive unlimited resource of energy. We stand and win the battle. That's what it means. Because it's right in the line here, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That we must stand and win the battle because there's a serious enemy. His name is Satan. And folks, if we win the victory, guess what? He, God, gets the glory. Amen. And that's why we're here. That's why we ought to be faithful. The devil wants to sift you. The devil wants to hurt you. The devil wants to give you doubts and discouragement. Joshua McNeese wrote this after finding his baby brother dead last Friday. I won't go into details. All of you know the details. This is what he said. And this is what laid this passage of Scripture on my heart. He said, truth is, this is a spiritual warfare. The devil don't choose the worthless enemies who do nothing to prey upon. He chooses the ones who are passionate about the Lord's work to slowly chip away at. First he will take the truth and twist it just enough to make something that brings joy a little less joyful. Then he went on to write and says he will use deceit to divide you at least a little bit from those you care about and who care about you. He will find what you fear most and make your fear, make you fear it so badly you help make it happen when in reality fear itself was the main cause. He will cause jealousy that controls instead of protects. He will in weak moments convince you love, lust, and obsession are the same. He will tell you all earthly things are carnal and of the flesh not only the things that are, but even the blessing God has given us for the joy and edification. He will allow you to educate yourself into thinking you're just a little more spiritual than most. And that you really don't need the church, I'll add. And he will allow you to fabricate your own persecution. He will tell you if people don't agree with you, they can't be for you or love you. He will make your focus on people's imperfections instead of their strengths. He will use truths. I'm talking about the devil now. He will use truths and hide others in order for you to know God better than anyone, but only in ways we are ready to, not ready to understand Adam and Eve in parentheses. All of this he does because you are a, not a Judas, 
but you're a Paul in preparation. If you love the Lord, prepare for these attacks. Guard against these things and always choose grace, mercy, and love in everyday decisions and conversations. I think that was profound. And it reminds us of the battle. So if I had a title for this message, I think I'd entitle it, The Christian Soldier's Secret Weapon, Prayer. I want to take the one verse and preach it textual, which is my favorite kind of preaching. And I want you to notice that every word in verse 18 in closing. And let me just say this, the battle is daily. Amen. If you drop your guard tomorrow, you're going, the devil's going to have a heyday. And I want to say this, it is impossible to win the battle in one's own strength. Can I repeat that please? And look up here and, and nod or something. It's impossible to win the battle in one's own strength, but through the power of the Lord and his armor, we can and will prevail. It's helpful to remember when Paul penned these words, he was surrounded by Roman soldiers. And he looked at them and he made great spiritual application, but then after he saw all the armor, he said, I think I know how to put it on. I think I know how to have victory. And I can't read those warriors' valiant heart or, or, or uh, cowardly heart. I can't read if they're going to have victory or not, but we can tell the Christians that they can have strength and courage and victory not only by wielding, wielding the sword, but the courage to grip it and pray and withstand and stand against the attacks of hell through prayer. Folks, the only way that we can apply, that we can aim the weapons of warfare is through prayer. We want to do everything but pray. Prayer is the hardest thing for a Christian to do because it's the most useful and effective weapon in the arsenal. It's the secret weapon. Let me give you the definition of this weapon. Verse 18, praying. Praying. Praying is engaging God in heaven in a two-way conversation. It's listening to God, but it's also praying to God. Praying is engaging any time, any place, saying, God, I can't handle it. Would you please help me and have mercy? Prayer is putting on the armor. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 13. I love these verses. Verse 11, Romans 13, 11. We're in a warfare. It's not for babies. It's not for wimps. It's not for the undisciplined. One person was having trouble with his parents. He was tired of all the discipline. He went out and joined the Marines. You ain't going to make it. Look at this, verse 11, Romans 13. It says, And that knowing the time that is now, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And look at verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, drunkenness, or in chambering, or wantonness, not in strife, or envy. And it says, and but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Folks, the Bible says we put on the armor. We literally put on Jesus. We hide in him. We die to self and let him be who he is through us. And the last time I checked, he defeats Satan every time. Prayer is the power to go forth in battle. Prayer is practicing the aim that's appropriate. You know, there's no, no need of carrying a weapon if you can't shoot it. Somebody says there's no need of carrying a weapon if it's not loaded. I just like to carry one that's not load, unloaded just to think I can carry it. But it's really dangerous to carry an unloaded weapon. You can get killed doing that. Say amen. Because if you pull an unloaded weapon out, guess what? The other guy's going to kill you. 
And I want to tell you something. Prayer is loading the weapon, but it's aiming it straight and shooting the enemy. Prayer is the single greatest force ever unleashed on this earth. Can somebody say amen? Single greatest force. Prayer is the single most powerful weapon at the saint's disposal. Prayer brings us to in the presence of Almighty God. Prayer brings the power of God to bear in the life of the saint. Never are we more like Jesus than when we pray. Never are we more helpless than when we depend on our stinking flesh. Pardon the bad adjective. Maybe I ought to say weak flesh. Sorry flesh. Prayer is an exercise that God has promised to bless. Amen? Before uh, anyone goes to college out of, out of our uh, uh, church, when I was a youth pastor, the pastor would always call them into the office. Said, "I want to give you something to go to college on." They all thought it was going to be money. They were all excited. And he always, my pastor always gave them this verse: Jeremiah thirty-three, three. Jeremiah thirty-three, three. It says, "Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not." That's a promise from God. Say, Amen. Folks, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5, we have the confidence that we have the request. If it's in the will of God, and folks, there's prayer promise after prayer promise. And folks, God promises, and I think God's good enough to keep his promise. I think he's righteous enough to keep his promise. I believe we ought to claim his promises in prayer. I don't know if I can pray like Brother Dean McNeese and pray the the promises, because I don't know all of them, but I guarantee you one thing, I can claim them. And we ought to pray scripturally. If we pray from a clean heart with faith, we can rest assured that God will hear us. I'm talking about this first word, praying. And then I want you to see the description of the secret weapon. Always. Look at verse 18. Always. Folks, it's a constant state of communion. That's what that means. It don't mean you're always praying. It's intimacy with the Lord. It's praying when you're not praying. It's praying when you're thinking. Penny for your thought. What are you, what are you thinking about this morning? Was you thinking about getting to the basketball tournament or were you thinking about getting to the house of God? And I think it's a tragic loss. Tragic loss. Walking with the Lord always. And you know what I really believe it is? I believe it's speaking terms with God always. I believe we ought to be on speaking terms, amen? How many of you haven't been on speaking terms with your mate this week? That's bad, isn't it? How many of you just didn't want to say much to your kids because they disappointed you so much? That's bad. But I want to tell you something, I want to be on speaking terms. Always, always. Why? Because the battle is always raging. You drop your guard on Tuesday morning, you can go down on Tuesday morning. I've seen some people backslide in church. Who do you think you are not backsliding in this world that's always polluting and always pointing and always pounding your brain to go against God? Then I want you to see the classification of prayer. It says, all prayer and supplication. You with me now? There's one verse, all prayer and supplication. What is all prayer? Well, it's formal and informal. It's silent and it's vocal. It's public and it's private. And I believe if you pray all day, every day of the week, you'll want to pray when you get to church. Because that's where we need to pray the most. Because that's where the devil fights unity. We ought to pray for security on this building. Amen. Greatest security meeting we'll ever have is pray a hedge around it. We ought to pray spontaneously and deliberately. Amen. We ought to pray in the traffic jam. We ought to pray when that lady runs the red light. Flare prayer. Dear God, save us. We ought to pray prayers of intercession. Folks, some people can't pray. 
Not that they could not pray. They're not on praying ground. They're backslidden to the core. They got sin in their life. Who's going to pray for them? You as a church member for other backslidden church members ought to pray for them. Amen. Don't talk about them. Don't write them up in Facebook. Don't Snapchat or whatever you do with them. Pray for them. Prayer should be a confession. Prayer should be adoration. Prayer should be humiliation. Prayer should be thanksgiving. Prayer should be praise. Prayer should be questions. I don't believe God's insulted when you ask for wisdom. He says he gives it to you liberally. Prayer should be worship. Prayer should be emergencies. All these are used by a wise soldier on the battleground exactly the moment he needs them. Folks, listen, we need to learn to pray effectively because our children depend upon it. And people that are hurting so desperately are depending on our prayers. That's a great responsibility. But you're praying for people that are dying inside with heartache and pain and agony. And you can lift them up in prayer. What a great friend. It is when somebody prays for you. What a great leader. I want to be a great pastor that's not known for his preaching but his praying. I really do. I want you to know I pray for you as much as I preach to you. Because folks, listen, God never called us to preach all the time, but he called all of us to pray all the time. The battle never ceases. Number three, what's the companion in prayer? Here's the key. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. I want to tell you what. Without the Spirit of God and the sword of the Spirit, your prayer life will be pretty shallow. It'll probably be selfish. It'll probably be like a Sears catalog. You want the best, better, or best, or whatever it was in those old days. It'll be like the Amazon.com list. You're going to Google something you like, and if you find a deal, man, it's over. I was over in Dahlonega the other day, and this lady just unloaded on me for some reason. I don't know why. I was just in there trying to find a T-shirt that said Mimi. And she said, oh, I tell you, I'm about to be frustrated to no end. I said, why? She said, because this Internet's putting me out of business. Everybody's ordering T-shirts and everybody's ordering gifts on this thing called Amazon and I'm going broke and I got a great location and I got a great person. And man, she just unloaded on me. I said, okay, I'll take two. Amen. But, I mean, this lady was down about the internet. It was her competition. I never thought about that. But folks, I want to tell you something. Prayer is more than the internet. It's more than your little list. It's more than your wish list. Folks, it's the Spirit of God escorting you into the presence of God. I think one of the greatest ways we could pray is, Lord, Holy Spirit, lead me into the throne room and interpret my prayers according to God's will. I'll give you a scripture for it, Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26. By the way, that's two verses before 28. We always like the 28, but the, I'm telling you, if you don't get the 26, you ain't going to get the 28. It says, likewise, the Spirit also, I'll wait on you. Love to hear those pages turning, amen? Or those phones are clicking. But anyway, look at this. It says, likewise, <laughs> never thought I'd say that. Just get the word of God. I don't care what form it's in. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Is that not the truth? Sometimes we don't know what to pray. And sometimes we want to pray something we shouldn't pray, like God kill them, and that ain't right. Say amen. Or at least break two of their legs. <laughs> Not their hips. But anyway, look at this. It says, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, but we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Charismatic crowd thinks that's, prayer tongues. That is so ridiculous. 
He said, it cannot be uttered. He says, and he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. God knows God. Holy Spirit knows God better than you know God. He knows what he wants better than you know what you want. And folks, he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you need. Then we can claim and we know that all things work together for the good of them that are called according to his purpose. And not even, even more, verse 29, and for he, whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God will make you like him in prayer. And folks, he'll take all kinds of things happen in your life because you're praying in the Spirit and work them together to make you more like Jesus. That's a wonderful prayer promise, but in the Spirit is the only way you can do it. You must pray in the Spirit. You need to pray in some tongue. You don't need to pray in some language you can't even understand. You need to let the Holy Spirit control your life. And if he controls your life, I believe prayer is an important part of your life. We always want to say, I want to be spirit controlled. Well, what about your prayer life? Number one, the burden will come from the spirit. And the compassion will come from the spirit. If you're not careful, you're going to throw up some worded prayer for somebody that's about to die. You're not going to carry their burden. You're not going to get under the burden with them because you really don't care enough to be under there with them. Holy Spirit does, and he'll lead you to go right there under, right, right under that burden and lift it up with him. True spirit-filled praying is always for God's glory. John 13, 16, 13, he don't want to be spoken of. He wants Jesus to be lifted up. And number three, the determination in using the secret weapon. Look at it. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Listen to this. And watching... Thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let me show you the word watching. Watching. Isn't this a powerful verse? Folks, constant, consistent, and Christ-centered is watching. Number one, we must be alert. The average Christian doesn't even realize there's a war going on. They think it's churchanity. They think it's religion. They think, you know... Prayer is some kind of Amazon.com. Google it at least. I got to find what I want. And you can't find a lot. Praise God. I found out how to fix a washing machine uh, yesterday through Google. No, YouTube. Praise God for YouTube. Amen. It just show you right how to do it. It was wonderful. It was just great. I felt like a appliance. Repair man. It's just, just, it just so fulfilling. But wait a minute. We're not fixing washing machines around here. We're trying to help lives. We're trying to help hearts. We're trying to te touch the innermost part of a backslidden person that's breaking your heart because it won't get right with God. We're trying to reach somebody that's dead in their sins and trespasses. And folks, the last time I checked, you can't reach them. God can. Amen. And so we must be alert to the need. Look at Matthew chapter 26. This, this blows my little mind. And I mean little. And all God's people said amen. But look at this Matthew 26. And I want you to look at verse 38. I should have marked it. If I can't find Matthew, I need to give up the ministry. It says, then said he unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Tear ye here and watch with me. Have you ever been exceedingly sorrowful for somebody else's sorrow? I mean, if Brother Johnny McNeese's dilemma didn't drive you to your knees this week, something's wrong. You really don't care. You're just so self-consumed, you ain't got time to think about anybody else. They didn't, they didn't draw you to your, your knees. I'm talking about if you're a friend of his. Now, if you're not in his domain, you don't know him, 
I understand. But there's some things that ought to draw you to sorrow. And if you live there, and you put yourself in their place, compassion, it'll break you to pray. But then he said in verse 39, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? And he looked at him and said, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Flesh is weak. Folks, if we're going to win the war, we're going to have to start being alert and watching in prayer. Then we need to be active in prayer. Perseverance. Look at it. Watching thereunto with all perseverance. Folks, we have not because we ask not, but sometimes we don't keep on knocking. Matthew 7 says knock, seek, knock. It's an active tense. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Sometimes we give up on the brink of a miracle. I almost did with Daddy's salvation. I said, that ain't going to do no good. He's so stubborn. He's such an addict. But we kept on praying. Amen. Kept on praying. Kept on having prayer meetings. God worked. The Bible says in Luke 18, 1, that you'll faint if you don't pray. You'll faint. You ever fainted? It's an awful feeling, especially in front of people. Did that one time when they took my blood at a physical and all the employees were behind me. Davison's. I was a college student. I was a tough athlete. And I fainted. I blamed it on not eating that morning. But I think it was the sight of my own blood. I fainted. Got a little tougher now. I faint in private. But anyway, listen. <laughs> we're going to faint spiritually. We're going to pass out. We're not going to get in the battle. We're not even going to know the battle's on. It's going to overcome us. We're going to be killed sitting down and laying down on the job, spiritually speaking. Perseverance. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep on praying for that brother. Keep on praying for that sister. Keep on praying for that son. Keep on praying for that daughter. Keep on praying for yourself. Then last but not least, we must be asking for others. Look at it, last phrase. It says, pray, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for who? All saints. We're not in this battle alone. That's why I love the local church. I would have quit many, many times if somebody hadn't come into my office with tears. I mean, just, just real hard-hearted, I mean, not hard-hearted people, just tough people and said, Preacher, I feel like you need some prayer today and fall on their knees and prayed with me. And I was on the verge of quitting. I was on the verge of just throwing the towel in and looking for a greener pastor. And they come by and said, I feel like you were depressed Sunday. I want to pray with you. We're not in this battle alone. The best friend you ever have will be one that will pray for you diligently faithfully when you're not on praying ground when you don't feel like praying or you don't even realize how much you need to pray our duty is to pray for one another and the Bible says this they'll know that we're disciples because we love one another don't tell me you love me if you don't pray for me I know my wife really loves me because she really prays for me don't tell me you love someone else or love your students or love your fellow uh, uh, servants, your fellow members, if you don't pray for them. Folks, the true act of love is that you go call out to God and say, God, don't bless me. Bless them. Help them. I realize what they're going through. I know they're hurting. I know their heart's broken. I don't know how I could stand it if I was in this daddy's place this brother's place, this husband or wife's place, God, please intercede for them. 
of the greatest blessings we could ever be as an intercessory church. Nothing promotes love and unity among God's people when folks are constantly getting together praying for one another. Boy, you talk about the ladies being close on Tuesday when they pray with each other. They bear each other's souls. They come out of that room smiling and happy and joyful and they're so close to each other. Same thing with the prayer meeting on, on Tuesday morning with the men and then the prayer meeting every Sunday at 5.30 and folks, we don't just have it as a slot in the program in every service. It's time to pray, now let's pray. We have a time where we agonize together, come together. There's nothing you can do that'll help your brother or sister more than pray for them in the battle. I want want you to turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, and my time's up that I put on myself because I know you can't listen over 45 minutes because I can't. I couldn't listen myself over 45 minutes. One young preacher came to me and said, I think I got an hour. I said, you ain't that good a preacher. (laughs) Amen? Because I can't listen to you an hour. So uh, I might listen to some preachers an hour, but I can't listen to just a young preacher just starting out for an hour. You just preach 45 minutes, 30 minutes, It'll be enough. We'll, take, we'll get a lot out of it. Amen? So I'm going to try to quit. But look at this, Galatians 6, 2. I'm in Corinthians. That's good, too. Look at this. Galatians 6, 2. Brethren, we'll go back to one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such as one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. The man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he is deceiving himself. Let every man prove his own work and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. But the Bible says we are to bear each other's burdens. The army of God needs soldiers Pray for each other. Or we're not going to make it. And I'd hate to think that there was a tragedy in our church in somebody's life because we did not pray for them and we didn't get under there with them and bear the burden with them and direct them to the only one that can bear that burden, the Holy Spirit of God. Father, use this message. You've already used it in my life. Every time I preach on prayer, I get convicted of my selfishness. And my activities that sometimes can become an anesthetic for not praying. God, help us to realize we need some reinforcements. We need some fellow soldiers in the battle. And Lord, I thank you for this one verse that tells us how to put on the armor, activate the armor, infuse the armor, use the armor, yield to the armor, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, our position and place in God, and our power available through the Spirit. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I don't know really how to close a message like this except confess that I need to be a better prayer warrior. And I need to be a better pastor to pray for you better and more. And I don't want prayer to be a motion or a commotion or a ritual or just a prayer list. I want to be bearing one another's burdens. Armor can be placed on every believer if we pray one for another in the Spirit, always. Let me say, preacher, the Lord spoke to my heart about warfare praying tonight. And I want you to pray with me and for me, and I'll really try to do that. 
that I could be a better prayer warrior for those that's hurting, those that are being succumbed by sin. Would you raise your hand as a confession, but also a prayer request? God bless you all over this place. I know I need to raise my hand. Father God, help us. Help us, God, and stir us. Have that place of prayer every morning. But God, to pray all through the day. Pray while we're driving. Pray when people call and have a prayer request that we really pray for. We take advantage of these times when we pray together and come alongside, not physically, but spiritually, and get under the burden with them. Pray that God the Holy Spirit would help them get through to the throne room of your will. God, thank you for the power of warfare praying. We claim some great victories in these individuals' lives and those watching by way of internet as they pray one for another in the spirit with perseverance and supplication for all saints. We'll thank you and praise you for the results and give you the glory and the praise for every answer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want all of you that have a prayer request to stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. The unusual invitation. You got a prayer request. I ain't got time to take it. Wish we did. But you got somebody on your heart, something on your heart that you can't handle and you know they can't handle. Well, during this invitation, here's your chance to pray. But even while you sing, you ought to, just, you ought to say, Dear Holy Spirit, help me to get under the burden. Pray for them. They ought to be here tonight. They ought to be on this front row soaking it up. They ought to be in the ministry. They ought to be on the mission field. Hey, they ought to be a good Christian at least. They ought to be a good husband at the most. They ought to be a good wife. They ought to be good children. They ought to be a good family. And the devil is wrecking everything. Somebody needs to pray for them.